Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, if you will, to Daniel, the book of Daniel. I have had the privilege for a number of years of writing curriculum for Striving Together Ministries, and I have done a lot of lives of people. I did a one of the metaphors of Christ called Salt and Light, but everything else has been for the lives of people in the Bible. One's called Lessons from Legends. I took 13 Bible characters. I've done one on Moses, and one on David, and one on Peter, and one on Paul, and I just finished one this summer called The Tale of Two Prophets on Elijah and Elisha. And God gives us people that we can learn from. And there are some people that stand unique in the annals of Scripture that they just seem to do just about everything right. I would say that about Joseph, and I would say that about Daniel. Uh, amazing testimonies. And I hope that you will learn from the right people. My wife and I have three children. They're all graduates of West Coast. We're thankful for that. They're all serving the Lord today. And uh, the girls were easy. I kept telling them, be like mom. And I kind of left that in her hands. And they were pretty much like their mom. And then God gave us, in a humorous situation, a son. It's hard to tell your son to be like your mom. And I have many, many illustrations about my son, Mark. Um, have you ever heard the statement that some people march to their own drummer? Mark marched to his own orchestra. You know, he's just kind of out there sometimes. But we had some experiences. And for the 22 years I've been here, I have spent every summer traveling for West Coast Baptist College. My wife was very gracious. She'd watch the kids. I'd come home in the middle. Leadership used to be in July, so it was kind of a nice breakup. I'd come home. We'd spend a week together. Then I'd go back out on the road. Then we'd have vacation in August. And my wife would always do this for me before I would leave on a trip. She'd often make my favorite meal for me. And I know people here like different foods, and some of you are gluten-free, and some of you are vegan. I am neither, okay? And so my favorite meal is a ribeye steak, cooked medium, grilled asparagus, twice-baked potatoes with the bacon, sour cream, onions in them, some rolls, seven-layer salad, finished off with something light, German chocolate cake with ice cream. That is my favorite meal. And we have a lot of people in our home. We've lived in our current home for eight years. We've had over 5,000 people in our home for meals. We had 26 there last night. If you're a freshman, we hope to have you there this semester. We've had over 50 of you in the last two weeks. And every week we do that one night a week. And then we have our Sunday school class over and other guests over. And uh, we had someone there with us at our, t I don't remember who was there eating with us. We had this meal and uh, we did what Christians do. We prayed for the food. Can I have an amen to that? Amen. We prayed, and I looked at the salad. I looked at the asparagus, looked at the potatoes. I started on the ribeye steak. It's hot. It's juicy. If you like your steak well done, someday you will come to full knowledge and you will stop doing that. I like a steak where you could chew it, you know. I have a sister-in-law who likes her steak well done. I mean, she says burn it. You say, well, how does she like it? I don't know, because she's still chewing it. Okay, so that, that's another story. So I started eating that, and my son got excited as well. So my wife was to my right. There was a college student at the other table. My son was left. And he started, and he took a large bite of steak. In fact, quite honestly, it was too large of a bite. And he started gagging and choking. Now, I am his father. Of course I'm concerned. So eating only with my right hand, I reached over and patted him in the back with my left hand. And he was making songs that I, sounds that I will not try to replicate this morning. They were gagging and retching. And I said, son, go to the sink. 
Go to the sick. And he went over to the sick and he made these sounds and finally he stopped. I said, are you okay? He said, yes, sir. I said, can you breathe? He goes, like he's trying it out. He said, yes, I can breathe. I said, well, good. We'll come back here and eat. He came back to the table, sat down, and he just sat there. I said, eat your food. Now, folks, we all know this. When you fall off a horse, what do you do? You get back on it. He looks at me, he says, I can't swallow. I I said, son, this is what is called a psychosomatic issue. You think you were choking to death. You're fine. You can swallow. Eat your food. He goes, I can't swallow. Brother Shetler, I'm going, what in the world? At this point, he's kind of discouraging my meal, you know. (laughs) Then he does the most disgusting thing. He takes his empty glass, he starts spitting in it. Sort of like your grandma who chewed snuff. You know, you know. know, (laughs) I said, that is disgusting. Don't do that at the table. Get up. And I told his mom, I said, save that for him for breakfast. And he went in, he's sitting at the couch there. In that particular house, we had a couch right next to it. He just kept spitting in a cup. I'm going, this is just unbelievable. And of course, I want to be an encourager. Barnabas is one of my favorite Bible characters. So I said to him, build a bridge and get over it. And he says, I can't swallow. We get up the next morning. I was preaching out of town Sunday, actually at my home church, and then I was flying out of town on Monday to go back on the road. And he didn't have any breakfast. He said, I can't swallow. We went down there. We had two Sunday morning services, Sunday school. And we went to my brother John's house. And different people have different gifts in life. My brother's gift is barbecuing. He had, at one time, four grills in his back, back of his house. And that day, he made barbecue baby back ribs and tri-tip. And if there's one thing my son was excellent at, it was eating. He made that. He says, I can't swallow. So I decided to Heimlich him. And I can tell you this, if I Heimlich you, you have been Heimlicked. <laughs> I worked at a restaurant one time. There was a girl working at the front counter. Her name was Diane Yakum, Polish girl. She was about five foot one, five two, and she was eating a beef dip sandwich. And she got a big chunk of that sandwich stuck in her throat. And they didn't call me until she'd passed out, was laying on the floor, her head was purple. I said, help me get her up. We left her. I got behind her. And what you do is you reach around and you squeeze as hard as you can hard. And it caused the air to come up and shoot through a clear passageway. I did that to her and out came that beef sandwich shooting through the air. A beautiful parabolic arc. People are clapping. I, Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was awesome. So I, I heimlicked my son. Nothing. It didn't work. So I said, well, let's try gravity. Two of my brothers, we held him upside down by his feet. Whacking him on the back. Nothing came out. He said, I can't swallow. My wife says to me, praise God for a good wife. She says, sweetheart. She said, I'm sure you're right. But I think maybe we ought to go to the doctors and check him out. And my thought was, I don't have time for this. I'm supposed to preach the evening service. You go to the doctors. You know what I know. It's three hours, right? So I said, if you want to do it, you take him. She goes, I think I should take him. Bleeding, merciful heart. He's fine. So off they go to the doctor. So I go to preach the evening service. Singing starts. I'm looking for him. Announcement's done. Sermon's done. Invitation's over. Handshake is done. No sign of him. I mean, 
people dwindling down to almost no one. Finally, I walk out and here they come in from the parking lot. I said, how is it? She said, he's fine. He has surgery tomorrow. What in the world? He really couldn't swallow. And there was a piece of meat stuck and they had to go down there and get that meat out. He had to put him on IV. He was dehydrated because he really couldn't swallow. Well, you would think I had learned my lesson. But no. <laughs> About two years later, he's making a video with Eric Getch. It was for their Bible class. It dealt with David and Goliath. And somehow in their version, one of them was throwing a bicycle. I don't remember that, the David <laughs> Goliath story. But in their video, it made it in. So Mark comes home, he goes, my arm, it's really hurting. There was no blood. I said, let me feel it. There is no bump. I said, you're fine. You're fine. My wife did not wait for three days this time. She said, sweetheart, I'm sure you're right. <laughs> but he remembers the meat. You know, when you were wrong the last time. She didn't add that. She just kind of gave you the little look like, you know. So I knew this time it was my time to take it to the hospital, AV hospital. I wasn't too concerned because I had a huge box of U.S. history outside reading reports. I could go there. I had great papers. Well, I wait for the three hours. They'll tell me it's fine. We'll come home. And in the old days in AV, they had a table in the hallway. Awesome. I'll put my papers here. I can grade them. Man, I'll knock them out. I get there. Some girl is playing Uno on the table. Fortunately, I was able to buy the rights to the table for $1, and I graded papers. Three hours later, we left the hospital, papers were graded, my son has a cast on his broken arm. Do not ask me for medical advice. But I am so glad to tell you that God gives us some advice on how to live. Daniel chapter 6, if you would please. I read this about two weeks ago. I was just having my devotions. I have never preached this message before. I was going over this morning, I said this would be great maybe for a graduation message, something like that. I read this story, very familiar passage because this has a story of Daniel in the lion's den. We're going to look at several verses here. And Brother Shetler, as I read it, you know what I said? I said, I hope our students will do these things. And then the Holy Spirit said, I hope I will do these things. I've titled the message this morning, Lessons from a Life Well Lived. And if you have your journal, I'm going to ask you to write down a grand total of eight statements. I'm going to give you a reference for each of them. Eight statements. Eight principles from a life that's well lived that I believe will be applicable to our life and in many cases, emulatable. Now, there's a new student here this semester. I saw him right outside before I came in. I said, now, I want you to listen in chapel today. He was so encouraging. You know what he said to me? He said, I think I'll sit in the back. He was joking, he's sitting near the front today. But from my heart, I really want you to listen. Because I really believe that if we will learn these lessons from Daniel's life, it will help us in our life. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I prayed numbers of times about this message. 
I believe with all my heart this is what you wanted me to preach here at the start of the semester. And Lord Jesus, I pray that this will be a help, an encouragement, a blessing. I hope that it will provoke me, first of all, and secondly, others, to live a Daniel life. I pray that we can be a difference maker, as Daniel was. Lord, I acknowledge publicly once again that I need your help. I do not want to do this by myself today. And we promise to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for any good that happens in this place. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Eight things. Number one. Number one. Look with me, if you will, please, in Daniel chapter 6, verse number 3. The Bible says that in this Daniel is preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Principle number one, Daniel had an excellent spirit. Daniel had an excellent spirit. Can I say this? What we have said about this particular year of West Coast Baptist College, I haven't been here for all of them. I came the third year of the college. This is my 23rd year. But I have sensed an excellent spirit. I think we've had great chapels. That's helped with the excellent spirit. But it really is due to you. That's a great thing. Daniel was preferred because of his spirit. There are some students here who have a good spirit. There are some people who have come and gone who have had a good spirit. I think of our last two dean of women, Mrs. Rachel Graham and Haley Hodges. Excellent spirit. Excellent spirit. Dr. Jim Shetler, I'm not sure he always knows what he's doing, but he's always got an excellent spirit. Amen? I love his spirit. He encourages me. He edifies me. Let me ask you this. Do you encourage your roommates? What's your spirit like? How did it go this morning? Were you thankful this morning? In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Were you rejoicing this morning? Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord all the way to get, I say rejoice. Were you kind this morning? Be kind one to another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. What is your spirit like? I challenge you. Daniel had an excellent spirit, and because of that, he is preferred. I told a young man who came to see me yesterday or the day before, and I said, work on your spirit as you talk to people. I think he's a good young man. I think he'll be a good worker. But I said, look him in the eye. Shake their hands. Say, I'm going to be here. I won't call off. I'll stay over Christmas if need be. And by the way, if you have a really excellent spirit, they might let you go home for Christmas. So a young man in the college who's a junior this year came to college with $300 to his name. Lived in a one-bedroom apartment with his parents and his six siblings. Oh, by the way, he's a junior this year. He got hired at Starbucks. He said, can I go to Israel and get paid by Tom Cantor for 12 weeks? Free airfare, live in a half a million dollar home, get paid $400 a week to hand out tracks. And the lady said, if you promise to come back next semester, that's not based on his family. That's not based on his education. He was a freshman. No, he was a hard worker with an excellent spirit. Oh, he did come back. 
Then last year, after another year at Starbucks, he said, you know, I made a tour group. Could I have the summer off and travel for my college all summer? She said, if you promise to come back. Oh, by the way, he's back at Starbucks this semester. He said, do you think he's perfect? Oh, and I traveled with him 11 weeks. Trust me, Peter Ramirez is not perfect, okay? <laughs> but can I tell you this about him? He had one of the best spirits of any young man I've ever traveled with. He was teachable, had a servant's heart, was hardworking. I look forward to seeing what God's going to do with him. Because people with an excellent spirit are preferred. Lessons from his life. Number one, he had an excellent spirit. Secondly, and this is so important to understand, Daniel faced opposition. Look at verse 4. That the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion or fault. You say, well, you don't know what people say about me. <laughs> You don't know what people say about West Coast Baptist College sometimes. I read an email yesterday that we are painting our auditory black, we don't have soul winning anymore, and we don't have Sunday school. <laughs> Looks beige to me. <laughs> Blessed are you when men shall persecute you and revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. If you do right, people will say things about you. When you're going forward for Christ, there will be friction. Would you like to know how to have no friction? Do nothing, say nothing, be nothing. There's no friction if you're just sitting there or standing there. There's no resistance. There is opposition. <laughs> they sought to find occasion against him. Your co-workers in the world may not like you. Keep a good testimony. The Bible uses the word blameless. I read it this morning in Timothy about a bishop to be blameless. Don't give them handles. Be on time. When you're paid to work, work. Have a good spirit. We learned from Daniel's life there will be opposition. Think of all that he went through. Take it out of his family. Take it away from his family. Take it out of his country. Put in a foreign country. Opposition will happen. But keep on going on anyway. Look down a little further in this chapter. Let me just say this about your reputation. There was a very famous Christian by the name of William Booth. He founded an organization called the Salvation Army. You may have heard of it. I love the final telegram he ever said. He was on his deathbed. They had huge, huge meetings with 15,000 to 20,000 people once a year. He'd usually speak. He couldn't speak this time. He sent a telegram. He had one word. The word was this, others. Others. William Booth was being attacked in the press by religious leaders and government leaders alike. His son's name was Bramwell. Be thankful you don't have that name. And Bramwell brought his dad to the newspaper and said, Dad, look what they're saying. And here's what William Booth said to his son Bramwell. He said, Son, 50 years from now, it will matter very little how people treated us. It will matter how we work for God. He understood something. But you'll have opposition. But thirdly, and I hope you grasp this as a college student, we see Daniel's prayer. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went to his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed. 
and gave thanks before his God. Now listen, he's giving you thanks because people are attacking him. He's giving you thanks or saying, if you pray, you're going to go to the lion's den. He gave thanks before God, listen now, as he did aforetime. As his habit was. I hope you're developing the right habits here in college. Did you read your Bible this morning? Did you take time to pray this morning? How are your habits as far as being a witness? Do you have some tracks on you, man? You're going to be a preacher. You're going to be a ministry. Are you ready to share the good news of the gospel if you see somebody today? Are you ready to tell them? Habits. Make it a habit. You're just going to carry tracks with you. Make it a habit to pray. A habit to read your Bible. A habit to be a witness. Habits are the making of a man or woman. Develop those habits now. One of the great things about Bible college, you develop those good habits. We see that Daniel was a man of prayer. He had a problem, and he took it to the Lord. John Bunyan, a hero, the author of Pilgrim's Progress, said this, He who runs from God in the morning will scarce find him the rest of the day. He who runs from God in the morning will scarce find him the rest of the day. The psalmist said, early will I seek thee. I've got one brother who's a great Christian. He has his devotions at night. I respect him. He can do it. It doesn't work for me. We get busy. We get going. This week, not a night off. I mean, Monday through Saturday, just something going on. Have you ever gotten to bed at night and you realize, man, I haven't had my devotions yet. So for me, it works best first things first. And the Bible does say in Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be out of you. I challenge you to do, do it first. I wonder, how's your prayer life? How's your devotional life? There's a very famous Russian writer. His name was Alexander Solzhenitsyn. His two most famous books were The Gulag Archipelago, which dealt with the Soviet prison system, and another book called A Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich. That was one day in the life of one man, not a big book, in a prison camp there in the Soviet Union. In that book, Ivan prayed every day. His fellow prisoners ridiculed him. They said, prayers won't help you get out of here any faster. And in that book, Ivan responded and said this, I do not pray to get out of prison. I pray to do the will of God. He understood something. You see, the angel fetched Peter out of prison. You know the story. But it was prayer that fetched the angel. They were to gather together. They're praying for his release. We say, it's wonderful. Look what happened. One man said it this way. Prayer is a slender nerve that moves the hand of God. Did you pray this morning? Did you take time to talk to the Lord and ask him for his help? But despite his prayer, we see, fourthly, we see Daniel's trial. His trial. 
Daniel 6.16, continuing the chapter. Then the king commanded, they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said to Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Wow. I think the king believed that Daniel was the real deal. He said, we're going to throw you in the lion's den, but your God, he's going to take care of you. Pretty amazing. Folks, Daniel had done right. Daniel was faithful. Daniel had prayed, and he was still thrown in with the lions. Most of you have heard illustrations about the metamorphosis of a caterpillar into a butterfly. We're all familiar with that. But did you know that there is something called metaphoric, metamorphic rock? Metamorphic rock. Marble is a metamorphic rock. Slate is a metamorphic rock. It starts as one thing and changes to something else. Marble, man, there's marble countertops. In rich homes, they might have marble floors and great statuary is carved out of marble. Michelangelo used marble. But do you know that marble comes from sandstone? Sandstone. You could buy some things carved out of sandstone. They're really cheap, maybe on Indian reservation, because they don't last very well. But when sandstone is put under pressure, it changes into marble. Hence the phrase, metamorphic rock. Can I tell you, friends, today, college is pressure. You have less money to spend on what you want to spend it on than any time in your life. You have less time to read the books you want to read than at any other time in your life. It's pressure. Pressure with academics. Pressure with finances. It's pressure. But ladies and gentlemen, it's pressure that turns coal into diamonds. That turns sandstone into marble. Don't flee the pressure. God's working on you. He wants to make you into something beautiful. Something wonderful. And you could stay as a sandstone. I have a hard time looking at your books every year and looking at the freshman class and seeing people who didn't come back. Man, I, I really, I, I skip over that section. I'll pray for you. I just got my prayer book done. I've got a picture of every one of you in all my classes with your prayer requests. And I'll pray for you. Can I say this? Stay in the refiner's fire. Daniel had pressure. But God made something amazing out of him. And God wants to make something amazing out of you. You heard Pastor mention recently about the Boxer Rebellion. It occurred in China in the 1900s. And they really had a total revolution against foreigners. Specifically, many, many missionaries. Many of them lost their lives. In one small town, they gathered the Christians together. And they said, you can leave this area, but you have to go out this gate. But to go out this gate, you have to walk across a cross. They laid the cross down, they had to walk across that. 
Well, they were students. The first seven students, thinking of their life, and we can become pragmatic and say, well, if I die, I can't serve God. They walked across the cross and made their way out. But then a young lady came up. I don't know if she was 13, 14, or 15, but she was in that age group. She walked out there. She did not want to do this sacrilegious act that they were requiring of them to survive. Instead, she stopped. She kneeled on the cross, and she bent over, and she kissed it. Undoubtedly thinking she'd forfeit her life. She went out to face the firing squad, strengthened by her example. Ninety-two other students did exactly the same thing. They too knelt. They too kissed the cross and made their way out to literally surrender their life. I wonder what you will do that someone else might see and choose to do right because you chose to do what's right. Daniel was an example. We must hasten. Number five, Daniel had friends. I'll just use the king for an illustration. Yes, Daniel had the three Hebrew children and others. But it looked at it chapter six, verse number 20, if you will. The night is over. We know the story. Daniel survived. And the king came down in verse number 20. He said this. He cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God. Let me stop and say there. He knew who Daniel served. Do your co-workers know who you serve? I regret to this day. I worked at a restaurant for seven years and I had a good testimony. But I wasn't a good witness. They called me Mark the Baptist. I got a lot of other Baptists to work there. My brother Tim worked there. My brother John worked there. I got a job for Kerry Smith there. Dan Outler, who was Paul Kingsbury's music director for 30 years. I got them all jobs there. But I wasn't a good witness. I made excuses. I don't have a car. Our church is 20 miles away. Daniel had a testimony, and Daniel was a witness. He said... Daniel served the living God, whom thou servest continually. What a testimony. What an epitaph. Servant of the living God, whom thou servest continually. What a challenge to serve God continually. He said, is thy God able to deliver thee? <laughs> he was able to deliver him. And the Bible says in verse 23, the king was glad. Can I just say this, young people? You have people rooting for you. It might be your pastor, your youth pastor. Undoubtedly, the great majority of you, your parents, your siblings. They want to see you make it. Dr. Shetler, myself, Dr. Weaver, we've been in college work for a long time. We've seen a lot of graduations. One of the greatest things you could ever see is the look on parents' faces when they see their child walk across and get that diploma. Desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Don't quit. There's people who are cheering for you. They're rooting for you. 
you matter to them. That king, oh Daniel, your God whom thou servest continually, was he able to deliver you? Young people, the person you said you're going to serve with your life, you surrendered to Christian work. Are you still there? Are you going to keep on keeping on? There's people cheering for you. Then we see, number six, we see Daniel's rescue. Verse 23, the king was exceeding glad for him and commanded they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up. He didn't stay there. By the way, you won't stay in college. I'm not comparing it to the lion's den. But it's tough sometimes. I'm kind of a type A driven person. I shed a few tears. I, I fell behind on finances. My parents one time for Valentine's Day sent me a Valentine's card with $2 in it. I paid my own tuition. It wasn't easy. But can I say this? Rescue's coming. Graduation's coming. Ministry's coming. It will be worth it all. Number seven, Daniel had revenge. He didn't seek the revenge, but God gave him revenge. Verse 24, the king commanded, they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. This is such a subtle understatement. And the lions had mastery of them. Mull that over for a little while. It broke all their bones in pieces, or ever they came at the bottom of the den. They didn't even make it to the ground. The human body's got over 200 bones. The Bible says all their bones are broken. I'll take that literally. By the way, you don't need to avenge yourself. God will take care of you, and you can trust him. God's a judge of all men. And finally, I close with this this morning. Thank you for listening so well. We see Daniel's prosperity. Look at verse 28. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. He prospered. He prospered. Prior to the Communist Revolution in 1917, Russia was ruled by czars. They were not Christian. They were anti-Christ. And a Russian countess accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as her savior, much to the chagrin of those of the court. And the czar was displeased with her and took her out of the court and had her thrown into prison. She was there with the lowest levels of Russian society. After 24 hours, he brought her back into the court of the czar and said, sardonically and sarcastically, he said, are you ready now to renounce your silly faith and come back to the pleasures of the court? To his surprise, the countess serenely answered and said, I have known more real joy and more happiness in one day in prison with Jesus than I have known in a lifetime in the courts of the czar. Remember where real joy comes from. Can I tell you, friends, in closing, there is joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus. It's a great way to spend your life. 
I wonder today, how many here would say, with God's help, I'm going to seek to learn some lessons from the life of Daniel. I want to be like Daniel. We don't face what he faces, but God wants to work in you and through you. Philippians 2.13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. He's got a plan for you. Some of you, I'm very proud of you. I don't know all your stories. Some of you came here by faith. I'm proud of you. Because the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Others of you come from difficult backgrounds, difficult situations. Can I tell you, God is able. Let me challenge you to seek to be like Daniel.